for our company, mm-hmm. we have a niche that we focus in on. Right. We are probably the leaders across the United States in marketing automation. I'm pretty, in fact, I'm positive that we are. We, we work with all the big companies, you know, Salesforce, Adobe, um, HubSpot, you know, all these big companies are providing marketing automation platform. This is what we have just, we've killed it. This is our, this is what we do. And what that does is it gets us into customers based on that niche. And then next thing you know, we're providing branding services. We're providing content. We're providing website development. We're providing videos and, and all the other services that we actually have, you know, kind of follow into that entire process. Um, so as an entrepreneur, you do need to find a niche. So my guest today is Kevin England. Um, he is the CEO and founder of Vonizen, which is a leading digital marketing uh, and advertising company. Did I did I miss any part of that, Kevin? No, we're, we're, we're a digital marketing advertising media agency located in Ventura, California. And uh, Kevin's got a fascinating background because he started very young and he also has a technical background, which is also really interesting. I'd love to explore that with him. Welcome. Welcome, Kevin. Well, Cameron, thank you very much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad to be part of this podcast and have a great conversation with you. Um, yeah, I did start at a very young age. I, um, I started at probably the age of 13 when my dad dropped off my first computer onto my desk. Wow. <laughs> and uh, back then, it was the old Microsoft DOS days. Mm. So when you turned on a computer, it wasn't this beautiful little gooey screen that we get now. Uh, it was a little C prompt or an A prompt in my case because it was just a floppy disk drive, not even a hard drive inside that thing. Um, so when, when you when you looked at a computer back then, it was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this thing? Because <laughs> I I remember that a lot of a lot of listeners will not because they're, they're, they're they won't no they won't remember they won't remember that you had a little floppy disk drive that you had to take in and out. Yes. But that's what I got, and I kind of looked at my dad and just said, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? And he kind of walks out of my room and walks back in five minutes later <laughs> with a stack of books drops those on my desk and and says you know son I'm sure you'll figure it out and so that's kind of my my mentality and where I kind of figured out that you know my whole figure it out mentality really comes from the fact that at the age of 13 my dad says figure this thing out and so I did I read those books I went to the library I learned more and I learned how to code and write programs so I was through high school that's actually how I got paid my dad introduced me to a, a bunch of his colleagues hmm. and I started writing applications for them jewelry applications, applications for um, accounting industry, uh, attorneys, and I wrote a bunch of different applications for his colleagues and got paid. I, I, I honestly, though, think he got paid more than I did. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess he was an entrepreneur as well. So basically, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got through high school uh, was, uh, was um, you know, building out applications for different businesses. Now, you got to keep in mind, I was this... Um, so I lived in Oxnard, California, which is a surf town. And so I was this long haired, you know, big red faced kind of kid um, that was a computer nerd. So I didn't look like a computer nerd, but I was, um, you know, but so you have to kind of think of me as like a Spicoli uh, from Fast <laughs> Times at Ridgemont High. I was that guy. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But instead of coming out of the van, I came out of the computer lab. So that was kind of my, cool. my thing and what I did. And that's eventually how I started my first business, which was an IT related business right out of college. 
So I guess your old man was not a TV repairman, right? Like no, he was a computer. He was kind of a computer guy. Dabbled early on, and even opened up a computer shop uh, in Oxnard, California, and uh, it, it didn't get a lot of traffic uh, right. like they do today. Uh, but he was kind of pioneer in that respect, opening up a computer store, and um, so I kind of spent time there as well, which kind of got me more involved with computers. And that's actually one of what I went to college for was uh, computer engineering. That's terrific. Oh, I, yeah. I do want to ask just for a second about um, sure. with your dad. I find a lot of people who from a young age want to become entrepreneurs, um, either their fathers are entrepreneurs or they have some other kind of influence in their lives that says, you know, you can do it. Because I think the average person thinks, well, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to get a job at, you know, a big corporation or something. Right. Um, I know it's not as true now as it was, you know, years ago because, you know, there's the internet and a lot of people are just, you know, opening up their own websites and trying to sell products. But um, it was, it was always like that. And I, it, there's gotta be something inside that says, you know, some affirmation. I don't think it's, it's a, um, it's coincidental that a lot of like actors, kids go into acting, et cetera, aside from obviously yeah. the contacts you make. So do you, so it sounds like your father was, was started his own business as well. It was. My father um, did start his own business, tried to kind of go down that path, uh, ran into a number of, uh, you know, business challenges as he went through the process. My mom actually <laughs> was more of the entrepreneur ah. and um, she really got me involved in, you know, in, uh, in, in developing out my own path, uh, my own journey in life. Uh, she, uh, she was a huge, uh, influence on me and in starting businesses and saw the knack that I had with, you know, IT. And um, she also introduced me to uh, a number of her colleagues. So it really just became both my father and my mother who were kind of entrepreneurs that really, uh, you know, uh, I fell into uh, that same journey that they did. Um, and and it's, it's not like it really comes from, you know, because I, mean, I have uh, three other siblings, they did not go down that path. They went to the path of, of going to work for larger corporations or right. things like that. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those so things had, where I kind of jumped into it myself. Yeah, and you got the, the double influence there, which is really terrific. <laughs> yeah, Nothing as great as, as supportive parents, you know. But so, at the, so the age of 19, you actually started your own company. Was that um, after you started uh, college or? Yeah, before? it was. And so here, here's the thing. And we all go through life and there's challenges and changes and pitfalls and things that we kind of run into. Right. Um, at the age of 19, a sophomore year of college, I had my like this you know, this, I'm going to say, holy shit moment. My girlfriend let me know that she was pregnant. Oh, <laughs> so, and then we were, our, our, our first baby was on the way. And so I had to uh, like, you know, scratch my head and go, okay, what am I going to do? Um, and I had this knack for computers. So I just thought, well, I, I need to raise a family and I need to get, stay in school. So we're going to move out of Isla Vista, which in UCSB is kind of a college party town. Right, right. And we're going to move to the little, you know, the, the town around that area. And uh, I'm going to start a business and continue with school. And so that's what we did um, uh, wow. as we, you know, went through the process of, at the age of 19 and 20, having a child, my first child. Huh. So all of a sudden uh, you grow up by 10 years or 20 years. Really fast. In an instant. <laughs> can, can you imagine 19 it's year olds all with Nothing like that. Right. And, and so the thing about it is that, so that's what it was. It was this need and desire and passion to take care of a family. Hmm. Um, and so I jumped into starting my first business, uh, which, 
you know, went through different uh, evolutions from initially being a company called Computer Network Services all the way through the IT group, um, where I eventually had about 80 employees. And uh, we, um, I eventually sold that to Gateway Computer Corporation. Wow, terrific. So that was the, the first business that uh, seven to 10 years of my life. And we eventually sold that to Gateway where we were their number one value-added reseller in the United States. That's terrific. So that's kind of that's way, how that process went. But think about how that all starts. So it's like, and then that's the thing about entrepreneurs is you never know where that's going to come from and what passion is going to drive you to do something. And for me, it was the need and, uh, and requirement and desire to take care of a family. Yeah. I mean, there's, and there's no more noble, uh, cause or, or reason that, that you could. That's another thing I found with entrepreneurs. They, um, there is, there's something that drives them. Um, it, it could be a, a need for that success. It could be like in, in your case, you know, all of a sudden you're dealing with a real situation here and you've got to grow up and, you know, take care of people, which is, you know, the, <laughs> That's right. which is the best. And uh, especially at such a young age, because a lot of people, right. you know, um, I didn't start my first company until I was way older. Um, but it's it's really it's great to hear that you did it at such a young age. And so, were you? What happened to your college while while you were doing this? Did you continue your your courses? I did. I continued college, um, and easy, that was right? a challenge to me. So having to work, you know, uh, I worked a lot of hours. You know, I mean, having to work and then having to go to school and having to get everything taken care of and go and go through that process plus take care of a family. Right. Um, I worked a lot of hours. Uh, fortunate, you know, my my wife was able to stay at home. Uh, and, and that's the, that's the thing, you know, by running a business, I was able to garner an income that allowed her to stay home and take care of, um, our daughter. Uh, and I was able to do many of the other things in order to kind of make sure that we were, we were taking care of along the way. If I would have been, you know, working at a hotel job or as a bus boy or, mm -hmm. you know, something, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Right. So, and you had some of that independence and it sounds like yeah. your, your wife was supportive and which is, yeah, you know, absolutely. Is huge. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, really your partners. So, um, yes, absolutely. And, and so here you are. Um, I, I mean, you, you sort of went through your, your first success, um, which is, you know, admirable and you end up selling your company to gateway. Yeah. And you were, you were still a, a techie, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, or had you got, so, had you, yeah, yeah. So I've always, always been a techie. I, I mean, basically, uh, and so, uh, tech was my business. Once I sold the business, um, in, uh, in and around like, uh, 2000, 2002, 2003, I kind of was able to take some time and kind of, you know, spend a little more time with my family, which was wonderful. Right. Um, and then, uh, it really came down to, uh, some old colleagues of mine. Uh, had called me up and said, hey, we're doing this trade show in Vegas mm -hmm. and uh, we need your help and support to kind of figure out how to enhance return on investment at a trade show because we have these in-person events and we spend an absolute fortune. And if you go to trade shows, right? Trade shows are these big, well, we haven't been able to recently, but if you go to trade shows, normally they're these big, extravagant, wonderful things where there's lots of lights, lots of excitement, and companies will spend millions of dollars at these events, and the return on investment is very low in comparison. So they tasked me to come out and help them generate a return on investment. And so as I met with, you know, old business colleagues and talked them through this process, we came up with the idea to create a digital presence to the trade show where we were marketing, you know, months prior to the event, during the event, and then post-event. 
which seems obvious now, right? But back then it wasn't so obvious to create a digital part of that trade show specific to the company. So uh, they sent me back home and I then started Bonazon by working with companies that were trying to generate a return on investment in a trade show environment. Um, and it worked so well uh, that it was the launching pad for Vonazon um, as, as we are today. Now, the great thing about that is that even uh, one of those guys that I met with, you know, he, he, when I met with him, it was a two-person company. And mm -hmm. after five years, uh, he ended up selling his business for $350 million to Salesforce um, and no good. longer needed me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. You know, I gained a great friend and, uh, you know, was a good customer up until that point. So what, who was he? What's his name? A company name is Steelbrick. Steelbrick. And you kind of look them up and you can see that they sold to Salesforce. Mm -hmm. uh, Max Redman. Uh, great guy. Uh, Very good. Great guy. Let's yeah. give him some praise here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Uh, who knew, though, when we were first starting out together that that would end up happening? But that's the same thing with entrepreneurs. You know, you just you have that passion, you have that desire, and you just work and work and work. And next thing you know, things start to fall that your way. And not always does that happen in the beginning. We all know that as entrepreneurs, it doesn't start off that way. It starts off with a lot of hard work and times where you're sitting back and thinking to yourself, wow, can I can do this? Can I should I do this? You know, and, you know, all of a sudden it just starts to click. And that's yeah, very exciting when it does. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I guess uh, it's not covered enough in the media about, you know, all the hard work and all the times yeah. that people tell you that, you know, what are you doing? You're wasting your time and <laughs> <laughs> we need to pay the mortgage and, you know, all those really hard things. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like right now, people are there's a lot of people that are really hurting. All the bricks and mortar people are hurting big time. And yeah. uh, it's it's a good time to be thinking about transitioning into, you know, more digital kind of work. And mm -hmm. as well as, you know, doing something entrepreneurial. Um, I think this is a great time to, you know, give people that kind of message. Um, and what, do, you have, do you have some advice? I, I want to ask, I want to ask your advice for people from two perspectives. One is as a business owner and entrepreneur. Two mm -hmm. is as a professional in your field. <laughs> so Let's okay. let's do the first one as just from the business perspective and and a fellow entrepreneur. Okay, from What's the business perspective, it, I really think it starts off with that passion. You have to have a passion towards something, and if right. you have a passion towards a specific either service, product, whatever you're trying to present to the world, and that's your passion, excitement, that's going to help drive you through the difficult times. And there will be difficult times along the way. There's always going to be challenges. Not every business just immediately just comes out of the gate and everything is working, you know, um, the way it should. So if you have that passion, you then need to have the drive and the stamina stick with it um, through the tough times. And if you can do that, um, you will find that you will see success. Now, success is measured in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, some people measure success. Oh, I want to make, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And some people see success in that they're getting the kind of engagement towards whatever product or service they're providing or even nonprofit type of support that they're providing. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be always measured in dollars. It's measured in the kind of engagement or, you know, that you're, that you're getting from the audience that you're trying to engage with. And yeah, so if you well can said. establish that, then, then, you know, you've, you've succeeded in achieving your goals and objectives. And that's what's super important. 
and you um, also and you also have success for just from the perspective of you know being your self employed just the fact yes. that oh absolutely even you're if even if you're a one person shop if you know you have you know there's nothing more valuable than time and if you have um if you're able to spend time with your family as you wish and and work as you wish sometimes that's that's worth the world you know it is. And especially in today's world where we've blurred the lines so dramatically between, you know, our personal and our business lives, considering that, you know, people now are, you know, their, their, uh, their dining room table has become their office space. Their, you know, room that used to be a guest room is now their office environment. And they're sharing that with their spouse and others. We've really blurred that line between their personal and our professional lives. And so this is the time to be thinking about how do you, how do you manage that? Um, as an entrepreneur, a business owner, or working for somebody in a leadership role. Um, and I, and I, I, I believe that we need to really look at that and kind of figure out how to, you know, uh, manage both our personal and professional lives. And, there, and there's, there's a number of um, uh, theories out there uh, that talk about managing your personal and professional life. And there's one of them called the four burner theory. Um, and the four burner theory is one of those things where if you have, you have to imagine uh, four different burners, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, on a stove. And so the, you know, one, you know, it's like your, your business life, your home life, your, uh, your health, your well-being, your friends and, and, and family. And, you know, a lot of times uh, they'll, in that theory, they talk about um, you have to turn off one burner in order to get another one going. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that theory in, in, in its entirety. Mm -hmm. I believe that what you do is, and I'm going to use the same theory, you actually turn some to similar, simmer and then some on high. So that all your burners are always going, but some are a little lower than others. And that's really how you try to figure out how you balance between, you know, your personal and your business life is that you got to look back and say, how, you know, how am I managing through that? Some might be on simmer longer than others, but you just kind of have to go back and forth between each one of those burners to ensure that you're, you know, you're, you're managing yourself uh, correctly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you want to be a complete person and, you know, you know, you, you want to wake up, you know, 20 years from now and think that, you know, I, I at least saw my kids growing up, you know, at least I spent some time with my family. I feel like a full person and not yeah. just this, this, whatever I was for, for work, no matter how successful you are. It's yeah, and I attribute. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I attribute a lot of that to my wife mm -hmm. um, because I'm out there working, you know. And 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 those who listen to your podcast, I mean, you have to think about this: it's your your spouse, your significant other, your partner, whoever that might be. Those are the people that know you best, and they can help you through some of those challenging times. They can also help you to balance your work and personal life. Listen to them; they'll help you to get through that. And my wife really did that for me. She made sure that I was home every day. Um, you know, at one point or another. And even though I might go back to work from, you know, after dinner or after I put the kids to bed, um, I was able to spend that time with them. And, you know, on the weekends, I, you know, I dedicated my time to their sports events and things that they were doing. And, and when I look back, if, if I didn't do that, I would have missed out on so much in my, of my life, you know? Yeah. So it's, keep that it's in so mind as you kind of go forward. Especially for entrepreneurs, because we tend to work very, very long hours, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm married to a superwoman too. I mean, she does everything better than I do. <laughs> it's like <laughs> clearly the, the kids work, everything she's, she has her own career. Um, so, you know, let's send the praise where it's, it's deserved. Absolutely. I totally Absolutely. agree with you. Um, but, Absolutely. um, I, I do, I do think that like you were saying before, it's a little bit of a different dynamic right now because, you know, a lot of people working many hours from home, if not all the time. Um, 
uh, I was speaking my my wife about this. I'd said, you know, I, sometimes I feel like um, I haven't seen my kids grow up. And she said, well, you know, right now they said they're seeing too much of you. <laughs> they're, they're like, <laughs> now they is, want you to get out of the house, right? Absolutely. Me, you know, because it's like, I, I'm like, you know, they can't, they can't get away from dad, you know, but for me, right. it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand that. And so I am total agreement. Now, um, since a lot of, I think your um, listeners are starting businesses, are entrepreneurs. Exactly. And they are, you know, they're, okay, what do I do in this digital world? And how do I make sure that people recognize who I am and get out there? Because you're not necessarily doing trade shows anymore right now. And you're not uh, doing many of those in-person events that we were able to do in the past. Um, I, my suggestion is, and, I, and I'm going to kind of take it a little bit back, what I learned, you know, um, running a business in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, was that you, what you have to do is you have to take that in-person engagement. And, um, and I call it the uh, four senses of a first impression. And those four senses of first impression are like uh, that, that touch, that vision, the hearing, and speech. Those are those four senses that I'm talking about. Right. The touch is usually when, when you meet somebody in first, uh, the first time you meet them, you give them a handshake. And that's your, your introduction. And then you usually have some type of visual type of look and feel that, you, you know, we all sum each other up real quick. Um, in a digital world, you can't do that necessarily. But, but maybe you can because the awareness to who you are as a, um, as a business, you know, comes from your website or your social media or what you put out there as an awareness-based um, I'm not going to say campaign because that gets a little too marketing, but it's kind of an, it's an awareness to who you are and what you stand for. And people can find that if they find your, if they look to your website, which is why your website, a digital brochure to who you are is really important. And you have to get emotional with that, you know, with that content so that people can learn about you, about your business, what makes you different, what makes you unique. So that's that initial introduction and then when you go into that vision part where, you know, normally we can sum somebody up in a, in a in-person type conversation, you can't necessarily do that digitally, but what you can do is you can learn about your audience. You can build out your personas and understand your audience. Um, and, you know, by doing that, now you can create content that will educate that audience. So it's that vision part is to learn your audience, understand your audience, understand their pain points and challenges and create content around those pain points and challenges that let them know who you are, how you provide a product or service that can support them so that they'll want to engage with that content more often, and then eventually create an emotional connection to you and to your brand. Yeah, there's so much there to unpack, and it's all really, really great advice. I mean, I found that uh, in my own experience, I'm, uh, I'm a technology lawyer, um, or firm is IP right. Law Leaders. I find that it's if you're going to hire a law firm, okay, typically people are not comfortable just hiring someone they don't know. You know, they, they, they want to meet them. I noticed that they at least want to speak with me on the phone. Right. You know, it's almost never happens that they just, you know, hire you, especially when you're talking, you know, amounts that are, you know, bigger than a couple hundred bucks or something like that for a retainer, sure. then people are going to be comfortable with that. And, um, and the more they get to sort of see the the real person, et cetera, they the more they're likely to because it's a very personalized kind of service. It's not like you know buying, you know your something off the shelf or something, right? Right. right. But right. I find that um, 
the help is if if you're able to get like a referral or maybe some someone that someone knows uh, someone knows you or has heard good things about you, et cetera, and, and they put in a good word, they'll listen to that person. And the next thing they do is they don't pick up the phone and call me. They get on, you know, social media. They'll get on the internet and they'll say, who is this guy? And so at that point, you really want to have some information about yourself that's that's crafted the way that you want. Kind of some of the things that you're you're talking about, which is now, you know, it's it's got to be, uh, and and I think aside from sort of the professional, et cetera, there's got to be some sort of a human dynamic to it too, right? right. It's got to say, Absolutely. okay, who is this person? You know, um, are there any videos of them? You know, I can tell you when I first started these podcasts, I. I was nervous about it and everything. Then I thought, you know what? It, it doesn't matter. You know, a, a lot of what people are doing nowadays is just about the rawness of it and feeling like yeah. you get to, to see the real person and not something that was manufactured on, you know, K Street or something. You know, so <laughs> no, I understand. What, what are what are your thoughts about that? I, I know I'm putting into very you know simplistic kind of language here, but how does that go to what you know what you're what you're talking about, which is you know crafting that that image to the um that message to the right group that you're that you're looking at yeah and, and it's that's extremely important what you said was actually also very important and you're 100 percent correct in that you do need to create that emotional connection and the way to do that is to you know it has to be somewhat raw you 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 video is huge right now we are doing so much more video than we ever have in the past it's because people want to see and hear from the individual that they potentially are going to work with it has to become personalized so our whole job as a marketing and advertising agency is to create emotional connection to your product, to your brand, to your service, to you as an individual and to all the people and the employees that work for you. That's why your employees are such an important part of every aspect of your business. And the, and the way to do that, there, there, there's, there's so many different ways. Of course, first of all, is to create content that's educational. Don't try to sell anybody on anything because nobody wants to be sold in today's world. They want to be educated. And you have to educate them through, again, an understanding of who you are and be personalized in that approach. Um, and that's where it comes into that other, those two separate phases, as I mentioned. So I talked about first that, um, that touch and, and that, um, you know, that listening part, that vision part. Now it's about hearing. It's about hearing what your, your customers are saying as they engage with your content. Um, and as they engage with your content, there's so many different platforms out there, uh, marketing platforms that let you to understand the behaviors of individuals as they download and, and engage with different parts of your website. And at that point, you can serve up more educational content that lets them create a more deeper emotional relationship with you and your brand because you've now listened to them. You've listened to where their pain points and challenges are. You've listened to them at the, you know, on what they are downloading, you know, either off the internet or off your website or clicking through your social media. And now you're serving up more content that's more specific to the person that's engaging with you. And that's part of that process is to, you know, is to hear them, listen to them and to serve up more educational content that creates that emotional connection. It's, it's incredibly important to the, you know, the PR advertising marketing, but it's also really important for products too. I mean, the, the best advice you get at any good accelerator now, or if you talk to somebody like me, is that um, if, you're, if you're starting a company, a lot of times, um, you know, 
some very smart people, particularly in technologies, they they fabricate, you know, they manufacture this entire, you know, dynamic in their heads about, you know, I'm going to create this, I'm going to do this. But the only problem is no one has a need, no one really necessarily. And you get hit, you know, it, it hits you like a ton of bricks when you go out there and try to sell this thing that that you were right. sure everyone wanted. But so nowadays we we tend to tell people, okay, let's get your minimum viable product, your MVP out the door, um, something that's you know, unique and dynamic, et cetera, but it's certainly not going to be perfect or, or even close. And then let's gauge your audience. Let's sit down and, and talk to actual yeah. people, just even a handful, have them use a the product, ask them what their needs are. And, and you better be, be able to quickly adapt and, and change your product accordingly. And that's, you know, it's, if you think about it, it's not that different than what you're talking about, which is you have to understand them and not whatever you feel inside <laughs> or right. whoever you think they are. Right. You know, Right. That starts with that first part of that, you know, again, that vision, well, I'll call that the digital vision. Mm-hmm. That's that first part of that process is to understand your audience. And every time, like, you know, they ask you or me to go do a speaking event, the first thing we say is, who's my audience? Who am I speaking to? Am I talking to CEOs? Am I talking to leaders? Am I talking to um, employees in a managerial role, employees that work for a company? Who am I speaking to so that I can start catering my conversation around the audience that I'm trying to talk to? Um, and it's the same thing, again, focusing on a product and or a service. You have to understand your audience uh, to a level, a very detailed level, so that you can then provide them with the information that they need and want, um, you know, moving forward. So they'll, they'll eventually engage with you that way. And, and then how do you solve this other issue that we didn't have um, even 10 or 20 years ago, which was that we're all globally connected now. So... Yeah. It used to be that if you wanted to, I don't care what it is, whatever service you wanted, you you might just look in your particular neighborhood because you didn't know who all the people were who were offering <laughs> it true. around the country. Now, all of a sudden, you can go online and you're like, okay, no, I'm getting the very best at, you know, this particular <laughs> location. And this is the, the, you know, I'm trying to not to not to like name names or anything here on purpose. <clears throat> but what happens is, um, a lot of that is about the messaging part of it that that, that individual is doing, um, but also they might be very, very good. And what it does is it, it gives them way more work and a lot less to your neighbor who might have been, you know, maybe number two or number seven or number 25 or something in that same field. How do you deal with that? And, and I, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs on our podcast who talk about, you know, some very successful folks. It's say you've got to specialize and you've got to um, be the best or be known as, you know, one of those top people in your field. How much of that is messaging? Yeah. How much of that is, is, you know, what, what you need to do in your development? Yeah. And then and I'll give you uh, something on that. So for, for our company, mm-hmm. we have a niche that we focus in on, right? We are probably the leaders across the United States in marketing automation. I'm pretty, in fact, I'm positive that we are. We, we work with all the big companies, you know, Salesforce, Adobe, um, HubSpot, you know, all these big companies are providing marketing automation platform. This is what we have just, we've killed it. This is our, this is what we do. And what that does is it gets us into customers based on that niche. And then next thing you know, we're providing branding services. We're providing content. We're providing website development. We're providing videos and, and all the other services that we actually have, you know, kind of follow into that entire process. Um, so as an entrepreneur, you do need to find a niche because that niche is going to get you into um, 
other conversations and other products and services that you might have or might be looking to evolve into. So start with that and build that out. Be the best that you possibly can in that industry or based on that type of product or service that you're providing. And then that will branch out, um, you know, and that will evolve. And so that's, I would absolutely say that. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you were, um, you've evolved too, um, as, <laughs> yeah. as, as far as your company. I mean, as a person, of course, but, but in terms of your uh, company as well. Yeah, um, we started with trade show. I mean, that's it. We were, shows, we, yeah. were the, we were the gurus in trade show. We could do great trade show marketing. Next thing you know, we evolved into a full service digital marketing advertising media agency, which does so much more than what we do in the past. Although that trade show, those that business in the beginning got us into so many customers working with Cisco and Samsung and, and Apple and, and Dell and all these, oh, wow, these big companies, that got us into that relationship, which then allowed us to expand our business even further. Um, it's, it's, I'm so glad that you're talking about trade shows and that I have someone here who's, <laughs> who's a guru in it because it's so overlooked. And I can tell you, I've overlooked it, you know, it's especially in the digital world. You're like, but you know, if you go to a trade show, you might be, you know, you might just bump into Bill Gates who's walking around wearing a t-shirt. And uh, that's a unique opportunity to see all kinds of corporations and people at a real human level they're there. They're looking to do deals. They're looking to to meet people. Um, that is like huge. And I guess if you if you brought the digital portion of it there, it's um, where you were the first to do it. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, very big. We, we we did, and um, that does help. That and and you're right. I mean, I met uh, Michael Dell at a trade show. Um, you know, which uh, uh, you, you meet at the time you meet these people at trade shows and events based on where they are in their lives. And that's a wonderful place to be able to still have that in-person engagement um, and something that's, that's very important. But what you now in today's world have to do is you build around that, that trade show is still, it's well, look at it from the Google perspective, that trade show is getting all the engagement, you know, the right. people are typing in the trade show, that's good, but why not develop out your own digital presence in and around that trade show or event, create your own landing page, page, uh, create your own email marketing campaign, create your own ad campaigns. So when actually someone types in the words of that trade show or event, your name is coming up now, you know, or the, or the blog post that you created around that event is coming up. And now you're getting that traffic that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So you have to create that digital presence around that. And you might even create one or two webinars around that as well. If you do that, you will see tremendous success, both from the digital side, which will drive traffic to your in-person event. Well, that's just that part of what you said is invaluable. I mean, I, it's all invaluable advice. I, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation, seriously. <laughs> no uh, and it's just so great to meet you. And I, I think you're, you're so generous with, uh, as, as a spirit with, with your advice and you really want to help people. I think it's just awesome. Uh, all your own successes have... Uh, you know, I find a lot of the most successful people are just a lot of the most generous people. Um, how uh, could we get a hold of you? How can you tell my listeners um, how they can find out about your company or um, and anything else about you? Uh, well, thank you. And uh, thank you for that. And then the one thing that uh, part of my passion has always been to help small to mid-sized businesses. Um, besides raising a family. <laughs> um, so that is definitely something that, uh, you know, 
part of that passion that you that you might have as an entrepreneur, it's important um, to definitely give back as much as possible. Um, now, as far as to get a hold of me, you can Google, you know, uh, uh, Kevin England Vonazon, or you can it's kevin-england.com. Somebody can come to my website. I have a personal website as well as our Vonazon business website where people can kind of find me. Um, it's not that uh, difficult to do so, especially in today's world. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you said that because a lot of times I, I, I ask people, you know, how can people get a hold of you? And they, you know, give me some very, very specific URL, et cetera. Meanwhile, if you have, you know, if you're doing anything right, even in the <laughs> smallest way, people should be able to Google your name. And you yeah. should pop up. I come up so as one I, of the first. I don't, so I don't want to put people on the spot like that. It's, it's silly, but, but you're exactly right. Yeah, the only thing that comes up a lot of times is England. So, you know, I mean, you know, that country, I don't know. <laughs> they got to put in Vonazon, right? That's right. That's right. They, they probably should put in Vonazon. Kevin England Vonazon actually help. Yeah, but, you know, either way, it works out. And I appreciate it. It's been great having a conversation with you. Good to get to know you uh, during this conversation. And I look forward to building out our partnership and relationship even further um, down the road. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. It's my pleasure to have you. Excellent. Take care.